0: research based knowledge not just someone's opinion you know w- without w- without data you're a jerk with an opinion and there's too many opinions around here so i think people are hungry for research and in my ted talk i reference where the stuff comes from i don't a lot of those ted talks you notice they're just somebody's idea I mean, that's fine kind of anecdotal that's fine but i think people are hungry to know what is the right knowledge what is based on data? What is research based? And that's what this is, this is all research.
1: What's going on, everyone? You're tuning into to the Teacher Talk Podcast. This is Sam Browning, and you're here with Vinnie Borelli, Lawrence Humes, and Dr. E. Scott Geller. How's it going, Dr. Geller?
0: Hey, Sam. Good to be here. Let's talk. How are you Hi. doing? I'm doing fine.
1: All right, okay. So f- this is our first episode, and um, to be honest, I'm pretty nervous right now. <laughs> Got the jitters. So uh, basically, we're, we're going to start off for those who just have no idea who you are, where you come from, just tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Well, I'm a professor of psychology at Virginia Tech. I've been here 50 years. This is my 50th year, and I love it. I mean, I've been asked to go other places, but this is a very special place in many ways, and we can talk about those ways, but this is, this is Ud Prosum that I may serve. And my research over the years, since 1969 when I came here, has focused on intervening to improve quality of life. And my field is behavioral science. So my focus with my students and I is to focus on how to change behavior to make this world a better place. Today we call it actively caring for people
1: took your class before, so I know that's an organization here at Virginia Tech. Could, would you be able to explain that a little bit more?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, let's look at what it means. We all care. We care. We care about other people, but we don't always act on that caring. And we're reactive, and we're not proactive. By the way, this concept got big after our tragedy, April 16th, 2007. And the students recognized, we all recognized it. Man, we were hugging each other. We were were showing caring in a big way. But it was after the tragedy. How can we be nicer? How can we do, just do better for each other before such tragedies? A concern I have, for example, is Gratitude. When's the last time you thanked a professor after his or her lecture for what they taught you? Or we're studying students crossing the street in a pedestrian crosswalk. How many students do you think and faculty thank those drivers with a high sign for stopping for them? Any idea? What do you think the percentage is? We know. Not many. Because we're doing it. Yeah, it's it's like ten percent. Most
2: of them are really? not
0: they're on their phones. Some of them aren't even looking up, man. So, our world is so into individualism instead of collectivism, independent instead of interdependent. So, the message of actively caring for people is to become interdependent. We're all in this together, folks. We're all in this together, and we need to recognize this. And no one of us can do it alone. We need each other. We need to become, I'll end with this, systems thinkers. The big picture, to make the big picture work. And by the way, this culture, I've been to lots of universities, you know, over my time. um, giving talks, and and there's nothing like Virginia Tech. But sometimes you all don't see that. Because you don't see it because you've not been to these other universities, but it is so special. Just think consists of our environment. The environment. Research has shown that people are happier and healthier when they have trees and grass and mountains to see. But if we're looking on our cell phone all day, we're not even recognizing the environment. Or
1: even like if you're in the city maybe?
0: City or even the, even the schools around here don't have as much open space as Virginia Tech has. As large as we are. Also, what about the Hokie Stone? What about the facilities you have? And you have the best food in the world on a, college, on a college university campus. All I'm saying is sometimes we need to step back and realize what we've got. I know you get so stressed with the work you've got, but sometimes think back. I'm telling you what, these are the best years of your life. I'm telling you, these are the, those were the best years of my life. And you're in it right now, but sometimes we don't slow down enough to recognize that.
1: It's kind of like the uh, idea of uh, showing love just out of the good of it instead of showing love because someone did some, something for you and, you know, like that recipro- reciprocity, right?
0: Reciprocity. Remember, remember, the, remember Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Yeah. And if you ask the average person, what's at the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, they will say, I guarantee, if they know anything about it, they'll say self-actualization. In fact, we teach that, and it's in the, but it's not true. When Maslow passed away, and you know what it is, right? Self transcendence, going beyond yourself for somebody else. And here's what we have to teach everybody here's what the world needs to know it feels good to help other people. Self transcendence, when you go beyond yourself for somebody else, you feel better about yourself. It feeds your self-esteem. It it, it feeds your sense of connectedness, belongingness with others. So, th- it's easier said than done. I know yeah, are that. Are
1: you empathetic towards people's uh, kind of reluctancy to to do the right thing in fear of act of becoming of uh, appearing as a
0: a do-goody. Uh, a do yeah, like a tool, oh. kind of like oh. just Let's being face, used, it. you know. It like, takes courage. Yeah. You know, you guys are wearing our wristbands, actively caring for people. And I give these out and I say, pass these on. We call it STEP. S T E P. Here you go. S. See an act of kindness from somebody else. T, thank them. Give them the wristband. Pass yours. Give them the wristband to thank them. Join the movement. Okay. And E, E means enter. Enter the story at our website, ac4p.org or activelycaringforpeople.org. That's a website. We have all kinds of materials there. I've ri- written now five training manuals to teach police officers, one training manual, teach school personnel, another manual, teach safety professionals. These are all manuals to teach people how to actively care In their situation, so that's that's what's driving me these days. You know, what's driving me is I've spent years of research, understanding people, and developing interventions to improve people's lives, but it's not going anywhere. Not as big as it should. You know, students at the universities. What? Let's face it. You read a book to do well on an exam. You're not thinking of how this material can be applied later on, okay? But later on, hopefully you'll say, hey, I I remember that, you know? I remember that concept of actively caring for people and what it means. And I remember Maslow's hierarchy, and we climb the ladder, and we get to the top, and it feels good self-transcendence. So I guess what I'm saying is I I know where you are. I was there too, man. We're so into our daily business, and our daily challenges. And professors are the same way. We're the same way. We do our research, and we publish it in journal articles, esoteric research journals, and nobody else reads except other professors, you know? And so the real world is listening to pop psychology. They're listening to not research-based psychology, but, but ideas that people out in the street who don't know any better. And so my frustration, perhaps you can tell, is that the real world is not learning about research-based psychology or human dynamics. So that's how I'm spending the rest of my career, working with students, of course, to do that. And we have the actively caring for people. It's a movement. It is worldwide. But it needs to be bigger than it is. I mean, people in South Africa, they love this movement. And I go to industry and they, they give out wristbands and I give out books and stuff to kind of make it happen. But it's not happening as big as it should or as big as it could. Maybe podcasts like this will help get people thinking about actively caring for people.
1: And, and an interesting concept is that uh, in terms of like positivity versus negativity, I feel like negativity are, always wins in the short term and always is the loudest. Oh. Uh, in fact,
0: oh, there's a whole field now of, called positive psychology. But you can't turn on the news I know we don't want to bring in politics, but let's look what comes out in the, out of the White House, backstabbing. We make ourselves feel better by criticizing other people. I mean, it's the wrong example. And it, it is very frustrating for me to sit here and see what's going on. And, and you listen to Fox News and you listen to CNN and their opposites. Why, why can't we come together? And coming together is actively caring, it is, you said the word, Sam, empathy. Empathy is lacking in our politics today, isn't it? We're not thinking about, we shut the government down, not thinking about the implications on those people without their salaries, without a job, without a purpose. Oh, no, it's all about me. It's about winning. It's about winning my my point. And so we need to change that. And, And you know who can change that? You all people can change that. We need to talk about it. They say, oh, don't talk about Trump. Don't talk. Yeah, we need to talk about it. You might be a Republican. And by the way, it doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. Trump is neither. Frankly, he's neither. But he happens to be in the White House leading a Republican kind of thing. But where's the courage to stand up and say, hey, sir, I don't think we should shut the government down. I think some of, these, some of these things need to be fixed. Anyway, I don't want to pick on, on our president, but I accept to say that that's the example that people are following. And we have more negativity, we have more conflict, interpersonal conflict and bullying than we ever had before. Why? The example is in the White House.
1: Well, I just said this, <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to the idea of of all cooperating and all being interconnected and all trying to work as one and that's i hate I hate to go off on science, but that's kind of my one beef about science is that in the scientific method it it tries to measure um the majority right and it tries to. Completely exclude the the exceptions, you know, the odd ones out.
0: No, I don't. I don't no, science, science is is after the facts. Science is studying, in our case, behavior. It, we we don't distinguish between religion or skin color. No, science is science. When we study behavior, for example, we might determine whether there's a gender effect, or whether there is a race effect, but that's part of science, is to understand the effects. And, of course, what we're understanding is there is still prejudice. There is still stereotyping, which gets in the way of, Sam, the word you use, togetherness and belongingness and the thing that makes the world do better. Here's a word, diversity. Mm-hmm. Remember, in introductory psychology, we talked about systems thinking, that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. If we all work together to get to the sum, and the more diversity you have, the bigger the outcome, the bigger the sum of the parts. So, again, we know that diversity wins if we just, but we have to get together. You know, you have a f- like-minded people, a very homogeneous bunch of people. Oh, it's easy to be interdependent with those folks. Right. We have a diverse campus. Thank goodness. It is a little more difficult, you know, to, to get. But when you do, you, you, you win on the diverse opinions and ideas. Look how this process came together for you all. It wasn't just one person's idea, you know, an idea and built on this and built on this. All of a sudden, you're making it happen. So it takes togetherness. It takes interdependency. And it takes diversity.
1: And I'm at the moment in my life where, like, I'm not so focused on, like, self-transcendence and I'm more focused on, like, myself and trying to understand my myself and kind of, and selfishly in that kind of respect. And not, like, totally selfishly, but, like, trying to understand, like, kind of where I want, want to see myself in the future and where I fit. Absolutely. And do you think, like... Everyone needs to go through that process in order to give back to others.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's let's understand this. You've got four, five, six years to find yourself. In some, and some, and and good for you. You have an opportunity that many people don't have right. to learn the variety of possibilities that could be your thing. When I was in college, you know, I had, I had no idea where I was going to be a professor someday. It just kind of led up, but but by interacting and by knowing I got to know myself. You're absolutely right. And by the way, I'm selfish too. We're we're all kind of, you know, here's here's what Dale Carnegie taught us this in a a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. Powerful word, so true. We all like to feel important. Or help people feel important. But what if we realize that our importance is based on how we get along with others? Or our importance is based on your importance. And the more important you feel about yourself, the more important I can feel about myself. Because I helped you feel that. You know what's kept me here for 50 years? Is believing that I'm helping students go through that struggle of finding themselves. Let's face it, psychology fits everything whatever you're in from sports to arch- architecture to engineering psychology is there so what's kept me here and by the way i feel important it kept me here to say to myself i'm walking in this classroom and i have an p- opportunity to teach these students something important now i know they're just thinking about their exams and thinking, but maybe something will stick you know and that's the deal and so we all like to feel that we're making a contribution, and we help people believe that by communication.
2: I feel like uh, like that's the major difference between high school and college. like in high school, you're more so inclined to maybe alter yourself in a sense that that provides a like a, a way for you to fit in. you know with the with the crowd because I'm but in college. You know, everyone's different. You're, everyone comes from a different place. You're not all stemming from the same origins. Um, and I feel like it provides a, a great platform to be able to learn more about yourself.
0: Yeah, and you know, your mission has changed, right? In high school, it's about getting along and friends. It still is about friends. But in college, you're realizing, ooh, you know, we're making, I'm making an investment here. More than money, time. And I need to take this time to find out where do I fit, you know? And and oh yeah, and it's it's, so it is different. The mission is: where do I fit? What can I do in the future that will keep me going? For me, man, it's not about money. For me, it's about making a difference. It's feeling a purpose, and that's what every college student should be thinking: what purpose can I serve? from from politics to to whatever building buildings what purpose can i be good at so i will be important i will feel important at doing something that's important
2: at uh at what age do you think you became aware of that clarity like uh aware of the uh that you need to be able to go past your own boundaries to figure out who you are as a person and what you want to do and be able to take your interests and apply it and Intrinsic motivation. Yeah, exactly, and create a profession out of it.
0: I don't know, man. You know, I don't know. <laughs> when I was in no, when I was in high school, and maybe you would. Like, in high school, people say, "What are you going to do when you grow up, Scott?" What, and, and I'd say, "I don't know, but I want to make a difference." Well, if you want to make a difference, got to go to college. I'm in college. What do you want to do now? I want to make a difference. You better go to graduate school. I mean, it's for me. It was all about. What can I do to make? And, but by the way, that just boils down to what I just said earlier. Making a difference is feeling important. Making a difference is, Sam, fitting in. You know, feeling that I'm, I'm part of something big. And we are part of something big. If we can get beyond the conflict, beyond the individualism. and judgment. being, Yeah, be judgment, prejudice, prejudging people before you really know who they are. And, and being, becoming more empathic.
2: There's a, a beautiful quote. I believe it's from, I want to say John Lennon. Um, and it goes along the lines of uh, My teacher asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I said, happy. She said, You didn't understand the assignment. And I told her she doesn't understand life. <laughs> I've heard that before. Yeah. yeah. I, love I, lo- I love that quote. Well,
0: yeah. And the teacher didn't understand what is happy. Yeah. I maintain that feeling happy is believing that you belong, that you're serving a purpose you're important. It gets back to everything we've been talking about. That's happy. Happy is not arguing and conflicting and, and so forth. Um, happy is getting along.
1: Understanding. Right?
0: Understanding. Feeling connected. Happy is believing I found something I'm good at. All of us are good at different things. I found something that I'm good at. And it's important to be good at this. You know? Yeah.
2: So, you're saying that it's like it's important to be able to focus on like the almost like the best part of yourself that you can use to help other people
0: and make that best part of yourself a bigger part of yourself. You know, we mentioned earlier positive psychology. Well, positive psychologists have found out that we are happier when we're connecting with people. Actually, people are healthier when they're connecting with people. Now, I'm I'm more of an an introvert than an extrovert. And it's tougher for us introverts to connect with people, particularly strangers, you know. Of course, I can perform, and here I'm performing, but to walk up to, you know. so. But extroverts are happier because extroverts naturally, intrinsically interact with people. And so there's the point right there that happiness comes from connecting with people. But if we have a culture that's causing conflict between people, then we're reducing the potential for happiness. Now, happiness is also counting your blessings. Happiness, gratitude, Gratitude, man. When you you thank that driver when you cross the road, Mm -hmm. you show that gratitude, that I appreciate what you've done for me, that makes you feel better. Mm -hmm. We're doing a project right now, you might be interested. We got thank you cards. Let's see, do I have one here? I don't have one here. It's a thank you card. And we're asking students after class to go up to the professor and thank them. Wow, how often does that happen? And we have a thank you card that in, in hokey colors and all. And, in fact, I had a class last night, and I said, look, we're going to start this project. Uh, and, by the way, after you thank the professor, I want you to fill out this little survey to tell me how you feel. Yeah, the professor will feel better, but how will you feel after you show gratitude? I guarantee. But it's a research question, but I hypothesize you'll feel better. And so what if we realize that it's reinforcing to show gratitude? Both ways. You mentioned reciprocity. Both ways. We're going for a better world, aren't we?
2: It's almost uh, like tapping into the... uh, This actually stems into the question I had. It's into the... uh like, the natural reward system within a person's own body, uh, that's, like, I feel like that's something that can, like, activate it and mm-hmm. bring it out. Um, but my question, actually, I had been wanting to talk to a psychologist about this for a while. Okay, so. Um, so... In past times, our natural reward system was... Uh, it was like hunting, being able to provide... Hunting and gathering, being able to provide for our family. Um, however... That's not as apparent in today's society anymore because so many things are given to us that we can buy. We can just go out and mm-hmm. you know pick up some meat to cook food. Um, do you think that that has caused a significant impact on people?
0: Well, it's changed our lives, no doubt about it. But here's the basic principle I learned from B.F. Skinner. Remember intro: selection by consequences we do what we do for the consequences we expect to get or consequences we hope to avoid or escape. So back to motivation. We are motivated to gain positive consequences or avoid negative consequences. We know through research that we feel better, we are happier when we're working for positive consequences. Now, those positive consequences can be extra technical word extrinsic like like money like like a reward like but there are natural consequences that's why students are honed in right on rocket i say intro their skinner box you know looking at their their smartphones that's they're getting natural consequences you get consequences that happen as a part of the process that that say it's an addiction, it's not an addiction, it's controlled by consequences, natural consequences. So, back to your point. Years ago, those consequences were different that drove our behavior. Today, we have many advantages. I didn't have the smartphones that you had, you know, so my consequences were different years ago. So, but our behavior changes as a function of consequences. Either extra consequences that people give us, showing somebody gratitude, that's an extra consequence. But it feels good. Thank you, you know. But there are natural consequences that just happen as part of, even when we walk. We're walking and we're seeing that we're moving, we're, we're advancing. Those are natural consequences that keep us going. That's motivation. And we can help people feel better if we give them positive consequences.
2: So where do you think it, uh, where do you think like, I don't want to say it in like a bad term, but where do you think we started to fall off in that sense? Like, do you think it would be like a pivotal movement of like time, like a extremely important event just as an instance, like World War II? Or something like that, like a pivotal point. Do you think there is a pivotal turning point just within like our culture today where um we stopped tapping into those uh, those caring feelings?
0: Well that's a I don't I don't know that there was a, a point where we stopped caring. I mean People t- listen. People care big time today. You know, we had the government shutdown, and people were were setting up food banks and 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 contributing money to help those folks. So we, as a as a as humans, we we care, but sometimes we're distracted, and perhaps today we have more distractions from interpersonal caring than folks had years ago. We could the cavemen could sit around a fire, and that was, that was pleasure, man. That was the best we can go. Now we have to get in an airplane and travel across the country to go to a Super Bowl and and pay thousands. And see, we have so many more opportunities that sometimes it takes us away from, from really recognizing where we are. Back to the first part of this discussion. You are on a campus, probably one of the most attractive campuses, nestled in the mountains, and and in the springtime, it, it blows us away. It's just beautiful. Even the snow, however, but sometimes we're so into our own self and our own need to achieve in the classroom, and it's we understand really, that, yeah. that we miss those other opportunities.
2: So it becomes a point where people become too focused on themselves.
0: Or, or focused on themselves, or not realizing what's beyond themselves in this, in this environment.
2: I feel like that, especially like within people our age where it's such a crucial time where we're developing, I feel like that would actually be something that would slow or even uh, screw up, like the development of a person. You know, not physically, but mentally.
0: Yes, and I think that, that the conflict we <coughs> see on news reels and, and the, the lack of truth You know, what are your values? Have you ever sat back and said, what what do I really care about? You know, for me, I don't mind telling you, it's fairness. When I see something as unfair, it hurts me. It bothers me, and I want to make it right. But he said, what is fair? How about integrity? Is integrity telling the truth something that, that's really important? But I reason bring this up is we have distractions now mm-hmm. all over the place where people are not telling the truth, right. you see? So that's taking us away from what we really need to care about, you know? It is about our values. But here's something else, again, back on, on this campus. We get so into ourselves that we fail to appreciate the bigger picture. Systems thinking. And you know what else you guys are dealing with that you did I didn't have to deal with? Scams. <sighs> cheaters. Dude,
2: absolutely.
0: Cameras watching you, you know? And and now you show on TV this 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 steal, this robber who was. I mean, in other words, you're being watched, but we're also being cheated upon. And of course, the cell phones we hold, people are are linking into our cell phones and making so we're we're suspicious, you know. We've lost trust perhaps. Mm. Perhaps we've lost trust in other people. And how can you have trust when you see lack of people telling the truth and you see so much conflict and you see pictures on, on TV of of people posting other countries' signs on the on the on the on the balcony and so forth so all of a sudden who who's watching me and we're we're losing trust I fear we're losing a sense of interpersonal trust wondering if who's going to scam me next I get robo phone calls I'm sure you do too and and you and all of a sudden you hear a video or a camera not a camera a a tape a recording thank you telling you what they want to sell you and all of a sudden it's... It it's takes us away from, from people. Let, let me tell you a story. I met a lady emailed me not too long ago, and I was telling her about the actively caring movement and, and about the research behind it. And she sent me an email, and she said, uh, I'm the new president of your fan club. Oh, that hit me. I said, And so all of a sudden I started communicating with her. To make a long story short, she and her husband live in California. They came here to visit Because he wanted to know more about the movement and happiness and and self-transcendence. But here's her story. She's a very wealthy lawyer. She and her husband, corporate lawyers, 18 years a lawyer, lots of money. She's not happy. Back to the thing, money does not make us happy. You have to have enough. But anyway, guess what she's done? She's gone back to school graduate school after 18 years as a lawyer she said i it's not my purpose i want to help people i don't find for me now first not saying lawyers are bad but for her it didn't fit so she like students here we talked about where do we fit it took her 18 years as a lawyer to figure out this is not for me so she went back to us to university california she got a master's degree from marty seligman Perhaps some introductory psyche. Remember, he's the one who started this whole field of positive psychology. And now she's getting her Ph.D. in positive psychology. And she came out here to learn about what are we doing? How does behavioral science fit with positive psychology? So she's made it her purpose to learn more about it and then to share it with us. She's written a book. She's written a book called Positive Organizations. How can we bring positivity into organizations, which connects to much of our conversation here? So I think that story is relevant because, again, it took her five years of of law school, 18 years as a lawyer to realize I'm not happy.
1: And one th- one like theme I've been noticing, just like interacting with um, uh, students in my classes, is that most students are mainly focused on, you know, the what teacher can I get get the A most easily in, or like, or just focus on on yeah like the grade, or like oh what what major can I make the most money in eventually, or like, but like I I feel like this goes back to empathy. I think we need to really seriously start talking more about the people who are making these six figures or whatever, but just who are not happy doing so.
0: But you know what's happening to our culture? We get these billionaires in our face, you know, like, okay, the, 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 Mm -hmm. and you know, and you get the, yeah, living it up. And we see all these, all this great life. And then we have billionaires, the, what Starbucks, Pre- wants to be president. and So we get money thrown in our face all the time.
1: Especially with, like, social media. And
0: there you go. And so all of a sudden we think, whoa, I, I want to make a lot of money too. And then when we don't, when we're not making it, imagine the frustration those people who, who are barely making it and they see every day on TV these ultra-wealthy folks. I mean, yeah, it can put money on the top of the hierarchy rather than purpose and happiness.
2: I had a, uh, a high school teacher. Um, he was actually a what was it? Personal finance, I believe. Um, he was uh, he was in sales for a, a company called Pfizer, I believe. Um, and he ended up he had to leave there. He was making like a, well into six figures, I believe. Um, and he ended up leaving that for like somewhere around like a half pay cut to become a teacher because he wasn't getting the fulfillment that he got from, you know, selling pharmaceutical.
0: There you go, man. That's exactly right, you know. And, of course, yeah, that's that's Pfizer. And, by the way, I've had opportunities to work with all of these companies as a safety professional, as a person who brings psychology into the workplace to help workers keep each other safe. Notice how that fits the purpose of actively caring. So taking our message of actively caring into the workplace it's kind of a big deal. And, of course, what we're talking about here, if the world just could get it, you know?
1: Yeah, especially when work is, like, the majority of your life, you know, like, I think it's best that you're in an environment that you can truly just, you know, be yourself and oh, yeah. express yourself how yeah. you want to. And
0: Perhaps that's the most important thing that's been said here today because we're talking to students who are spending four or five, if it takes six years, spend it. Take the time to find out What's for you? I have students now, super students, and not, they're not going on to graduate school right away. They're taking a gap year to find themselves. You know, they don't they want to go on to postgrad, they want to go to grad, maybe medical school, maybe, but they they don't know yet. So the deal is to find yourself.
2: I met a, a kid first semester. He uh, he took three gap years before before even coming to school yeah. to college to start. Yeah. So he was he was actually 21 when he got here. Um, he appreciates it. Yeah, he, uh, I was, we were talking for a while. It was. Uh, we literally just, me and my roommate of last year, uh, we sat with him at lunch. He was just sitting alone. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he was talking about, uh, he went to, like, Texas. He went and lived there for a little while because I believe he was from California originally. And he just uh, changing his life up to see, you know, who he is and being able, I mean, if you can come into college knowing and not having to find that kind of stuff out, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it might be less of a burden, almost. It
0: oh, yeah. If you, but it, it, you, you might change your mind, though, but if you come in and I'm going to be this, notice how many students change majors?
1: I've changed twice, by the way.
0: It's <laughs> beautiful, man. That, thank you for being, you need to be flexible. There's a good word, too, we haven't introduced. Mm. Be flexible. flexible. Be flexible. Follow yourself, what fits for you. And sometimes it takes other people to realize that, you know, but where do I fit? What's my purpose?
1: And would you agree that uh, if you don't know what you want to do, trying new things is the best way to find out? Oh
0: sure, oh yeah. But you know what, you get to try new things by sitting in a classroom. By sitting in a classroom for more than just taking notes with the, but sitting in a classroom to really get what's happening. Question: How many students read the textbook these days? Read more. Read more, yeah. There you go. Read more than the the professor assigns in that textbook. So again, if you take your reading and you take this opportunity to really learn about how you fit beyond what the professor's assignment is all about, beyond just doing well on a multiple guess quiz. I mean, I understand that's consequences again, but. Beyond that, easier said than done, talking to others about, hey, you know, what about this and what about this and putting some of your, your issues and your concerns and your interests on the table for communication. The best way to learn, by the way, research shows, is cooperative learning. So often we're in our own little rooms trying to learn by ourselves. The best way to learn is to talk to others about the material. Sit down with a with a uh, with a group of others, even just one other person, right. and talk about, hey, what did the professor say today that that made sense, or that that we that what's going to be on the exam? How getting them to communicate about it, because you know, exam taking is really all about communication.
2: I had a uh, oh there you go. all right, um, I had a uh, I think it was last semester in one class. Uh, they were going over the way we as people learn, and it was saying um, how you get this percent from just reading text. You get more so when you read and you write notes about it. Mm-hmm. And then it ended up being the best way to learn and to improve your knowledge about it is to teach it to someone else. Right. I that.
0: Absolutely, yeah. But again, not, there's knowledge, but what, what is the knowledge doing for you? Mm. What is it telling you? Okay, so you know about a subject, but are you also asking the question, do I like this knowledge does this knowledge fit me? Is this where I could see myself ending up doing? I'll tell you all right now, there's no better profession than a college professor. I mean, seriously. But, but the deal is, if you were a college professor, imagine yourself as a college professor. What would you like to teach?
2: Ooh, that's a good question.
0: That's the question, um, though. See, see imagine, imagine you, know, you might not be a college professor. But imagine, that, as you said, teaching others. What would you like to teach somebody?
2: I know I wouldn't like to have, like, one of the, because uh, I would want to, I like to connect with people. I would want to be able to connect with my students. I wouldn't want to be teaching, you know, a class that has 200 kids or something like that, because then, you know, you're not going to form lasting connections, or maybe you will. I hope you're the best, but... Um, I have five. Not, not you, and not you in particular. I meant like no, for no, like a specific no, I class. I um,
0: oh yeah, I, don't, I have fifty research students, and, and mm-hmm. it's a struggle to get to know their names. And guess what? As soon as I do, I feel so much better about the class. When I teach smaller classes, as soon as I get to know the students' names, then I feel a connection with those kids. But in the bigger class, us introverts, we have an advantage, man. I can go up there and do my best. Hopefully that I'm planting some seeds and I'm not challenged to learn their names because they appreciate the fact that I never will. But actually some of them I do get to know them because they talk to me afterwards and they end up doing research. So I have the other other part of my career is interacting with students on a more one-to-one. So you're absolutely right, interacting with folks. But you still forget how many people are in the class what would you like to teach what kind of knowledge would you like to gain to such an extent that you know better this knowledge than anybody else in this room and you'd like to share it
1: personally i would I would say either psychology or like philosophy i like, I'm a pretty observant uh, guy you know I'm the youngest of three three boys so i've always just been kind of quiet observing their movements so i feel like just that's uh, a part of my personality so i feel like psychology is kind of in me and plus my dad's a doctor and he's very empathetic you know how he deals with patients and how he deals with me like me and uh, my two brothers even like yeah man were you just more, kinda in more me,
0: independent yeah. than your two brothers kind of like more more of a
1: maverick i'd, I'd say your yeah, own
0: thing huh?
1: i'd say so yeah i'd say so but like, then again, you know, very much alike.
0: But see, my my dad was a doctor, mm-hmm. and he and he actually told me this is in the fifties. He said, and I, I was going to be a doctor. That was my that was my aim. I same wanted to be a, just my just too. my just like my dad. But my dad said, Scott, it's not going to be the same. We're going to have socialized medicine. There's not going to be empathy. He didn't use the word empathy, but there's not going to be as much personal connection. It's going to be, look at the way it is now. Right. It is money. It's, it's not quality of care. It's quantity. Mm. How many patients can you see? That determines your salary. And by the way, I've been to many, many doctors. I'm, I'm dealing with, with cancer, for example. So I can speak from experience that the medical profession is, is hurting because they're not learning empathy. And you know what? It becomes, they retire at sixty-five. You know, I'm way beyond that, and I'm still here. And I think it's because I got more joy out of my job.
2: It's like it than goes beyond, uh, like beyond, like enjoying what you do and just loving what you do. Mm-hmm. Like uh, mm-hmm. a doctor, yes, they get to save lives on on a daily basis, but. I mean, you're not really you're not connecting with anyone. You're working almost on a, on a borderline lifeless body in some cases.
0: But I, I, I maintain that if they can say to themselves, I'm saving lives, I'm helping people, if they can maintain that purpose beyond money, right. they're, they're happier campers. Mm-hmm. So for That's all lot, of us, right? and yeah. it, money, if, if it becomes a goal for money, and, it's, and by the way, it seems that way for many people, doesn't it, that they're after monetary gain. And again, as like you said earlier, society seems to push us that way. We need to put that aside and say, "What would make me happy?" So medicine could make you happy if you can say to yourself, "Man, I am making this person healthier, even if you don't, even if you don't connect with them." But maybe you appreciate the need, like to connect with people, so that changes your interest. You know that you don't want a mechanical kind of a job, you want a job where you get to interact with people. That's part of what you need to learn as learn in these four or five years in college.
1: And and there's no, you know, there's no set plan for, for everybody. You know, everybody has their own journey and their own stuff that makes... Some people may actually find true enjoyment in making money. Some people may find true enjoyment in, you know, buying shoes or whatever. But... I, I feel like it's, would you agree that it's up to them to figure that on themselves? You know?
0: and, and enough money, we need, and, and in fact, some of us, if you make extra money, we end up giving it away, contributing, and that makes us feel better. So and, and even the billionaires, the happy billionaires, you know, like Bill Gates, he gives his money away, man. And that's his happiness. That's his purpose. Um, Oprah Winfrey. These other folks who make a lot of bucks, but they give it away, um, rather than just how much money can I make?
1: So it's more like the intention behind. It.
0: Like- yeah. Or or realizing that it's more than money. It's more than money. Of course, you've heard that all your life, okay. but I think society today and the is drilling monetary gain into our into our lives.
2: And it's because there's, I mean, when you think about it, there's so many, all the celebrities that, you know, we all follow people our age, um, they're posting pictures of, you know, the things they got um, or like the other celebrities they're with and they're all of the same financial status. Um, But, you know, when you think about it, the way I like to think about people is I like to think, okay, eventually when I pass do I think this person would come to my funeral or not?
0: Oh, now you sound like Stephen R. Covey. Have you, re- have you read that book?
2: I can't say I have.
0: Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He starts out as a book by saying, what do you want them to say at your funeral? And, and I legacy. translate that into leave a legacy.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: What will your legacy be? And, of course, for me personally, I think it's teaching and learning but for somebody else it might be something else but that's brilliant that's exactly right what cuz we're only here for a short period of time and for some of us it's cut way short right. other of us have more to, and so what what are you going to leave behind of course that is a make a difference mindset not everybody has that
1: um some people are failure avoiders right yeah. there you go
0: yeah we but we we've been brought up that way some parents treat their kids as if avoiding failure is what it's all about right. rather than gaining success click it's it, 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 it safe, or ticket yeah. society right why do you buckle up click it or ticket or do you buckle up to set an example for others mm-hmm. that safety belt use is is the way to go we all need to do this because we could save lives maybe not your life but someone's life will be saved by watching what you do how about if we walked around realizing that every day we set an example for others
1: do you think the with, now that everyone basically has a camera in their pocket and you said it's like kind of like you're being watched, do you think that will uh, increase the amount of uh, good behavior in people, like just the, the idea of being watched all the time? Big brother's watching. Big brother, like, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, but it also might create as I said earlier, a lack of trust, you know, or counter control, there you go. Counter control, I'm gonna, no one's gonna control me. That's another, that's a B.F. Skinner word too. Or psychological reactance is another word from psychology says sometimes you do the opposite to assert our freedom. Right. We like to (laughs) to be free. We like to be independent. We like to, I did this, I'm in control. Mm -hmm. It's not chance. <laughs> it's in control, man. You know, we like to believe that. But the next step is interdependence. The mature person goes, you go, let's face it, you start in life dependent. You were dependent on your parents and people to take care of you. Then you got to teenage years and you became independent. I can do this myself. And it felt good. Driving a car yourself, I mean, felt good. Some people are stuck there. All their lives doing it. I, can I help you now? I can do it myself. The mature person gets to interdependent, believing, as we said earlier, we're all in this together. Let's reach out and help each other, and let's show gratitude when someone does help us.
2: Well, the best part about that is, uh, I feel like becoming interdependent it opens us up to so many different possibilities within our own our own person. There's going to be limitations. It's great if you can exceed those limitations, but there's going to be limitations, and you have to be able to consider someone else's perspective yeah. to be able to really open your eyes. Yeah,
0: and you need to recognize your limitations. That takes a while. That, by the way, here's a big word, which I'm, I, don't, I might tell you our president doesn't have. Humility. Mm-hmm. Humility. A word. Have the humility, for example, to accept feedback from others and others need to have the courage to give feedback and here's the third word the integrity to alter your behavior as a function of feedback that's that's right so we had courage humility and integrity i think those are values that we need to spread around
1: yeah cuz going back on to like feedback i feel like it's hard to, like, give real feedback to someone you love because you're afraid of, you know, hurting them feelings. But, like, in reality, like, if you don't give them that feedback, in the long run, it's going to hurt them even more. Do you agree with that?
0: Absolutely, Sam. But, but uh, like I said, I've written, I've written five training manuals. And each of those manuals, for police, college students, you guys have the last chapter in your intro book was is this training for students. But... The key part of each of these manuals is how to give feedback All right. and then how to accept feedback. You know, for example, supportive feedback, direct. I like, really like what you did. Thank you very much. It made a difference. So that's easy. That's easy. We don't do it enough. It's kind of interesting. We don't give enough supportive feedback, but that's the easiest one. It's corrective feedback.
2: Or like constructive criticism
0: oh that's an oxymoron man <laughs> criticism can never be constructive that's like plastic silverware jumbo shrimp legal brief i mean you know it's 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 corrective feedback but how do you do it hey i don't like the way you did that man you gotta you know you gotta no that's not how you do it you simply you have to you have to get the other person to accept your advice how do you do that You know what, remember, psychology become non-directive. You become humanistic. For example, if I see somebody doing something that's not exactly safe, I might ask them, hey, is that the safest way to do that? You ask more questions. And you get them to own up and say, yeah, you know, I was in a hurry. And and I I didn't wear the safety glasses or whatever. Get them to say it. That's corrective feedback.
2: Because once they say it, then they realize it
0: and they accept it. You didn't, you're not telling me, you're telling me. You're you're accepting it and you're telling me what you did. Boy, that's a big window for people to learn to do.
1: Yeah, so like whenever I was in your, I do that a lot, like whenever I'm in your class, I don't have a question, I just like think about, Okay. so like if I ask Dr. Geller, what would he say? And then like in my head, I kind of sort out the answer myself. And from that, I can kind of get to come to a conclusion.
0: But you know what's so cool about that? is you ask questions. How many students sitting in class ask questions? And maybe it's a large class, but I mean, I'm talking about asking questions to yourself, you know, in your notes, on your computer, asking a question. And if you don't get the answer, you might email the professor. You might ask another colleague, another student in the class. How would you answer this? So again, asking questions is getting you beyond the rote memory, the, the lecture.
2: Something I started doing is, uh, like, if I get a question that pops into my head, normally, because it, it'll be in, I go off the tangents a lot, so it would be like a tangent off of something the professor said. Yeah. So then they would move on to the next topic, and my question gets left behind. So whenever I get, like, an idea like that, I write it down. And then yeah. at the end of class, I like to go up to the professor and ask them, because especially if they're still focusing on a class, you can't be able to address... The answer, like in its entirety, or be able to cover all scopes of it just because of time frame. You have to be able to move on to the next material and be able to continue talking about it. But there's so many different details and ideas that get left behind that I don't know. I feel like that's just something we should absolutely. start doing during class. If,
0: absolutely. By the way, professors love students to come forward and ask questions. You know what that says? That you care. That you were listening, that what, but the, the time, the professor who gives a lecture and that bell rings, some, the, the students are out the door, and that hurts. Right. That hurts. Packing, that, up, like, packing before. up before, <laughs> yeah. You, <you've, laughs> in my intro class, sometimes that happens, and, and sometimes I don't take it that well. Sometimes I, I say, hey, is it something I said? I shouldn't do that, but it, it does affect me because I'm my challenge is to keep their attention. My challenge is to is to teach, but I gotta have their attention first.
1: Yeah. So yeah, that's one thing about kind of the classroom setting that's I, I see that's kind of flawed, is because you don't really have the opportunity to kind of interact with the teacher. And like when it comes to teaching and, and learning, I feel like you have to have the both sides of the of the spectrum, the student and the teacher. You can't just have the teacher spe- spewing words at you, or else you're gonna have all these questions in your head unanswered.
0: Yeah, that that is a challenge, particularly with large classes, right. and and this is a large university, but you can email the teacher, right. you can email them, or I like the idea of you can ask them after class if they if they have time, because um, it is about customizing the lesson to fit the students. Not easy when you have five hundred, four hundred students in a class.
1: And do you think that like. Kind of what we're doing here in the, at the Teacher Talk podcast, like kind of letting teachers uh, share their story. Do you think students knowing or being aware of the teachers' kind of background and kind of who they are as a person helps with them being more interested in what they're teaching?
0: Or? Man, I hope so. I hope this conversations like this will continue with other teachers, letting students know that we're real, that, yeah. that we we make mistakes, we have values. Mm-hmm. We care. We care about you, but students don't might not know that. Oh, he doesn't care. He/she doesn't care. They're just giving a lecture. No, we care about you, and this is an opportunity mm-hmm. for students to see that, and for you to raise some of the issues that we did here today. Of course, and each professor you talk to has their their pet ideas to put on the table, as I did here. You know, oh. and thank you for for listening. It's 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 therapy. Quite frankly, to put you know to put our concerns on the table and and it's therapy when I can talk politics, yep. quite frankly, not politics, but talk about stuff that doesn't fit well that's with me. With that's on un- yeah, and, and somebody else. Agree- yeah, I agree with you. I mean, that's we need to do more of that, sharing through communication. I love this plan you guys got have here because it's not enough of this going on. Large classes, even smaller classes, students don't feel connected necessarily to the professors, and professors likewise don't feel connected to the students, but this is an opportunity to kind of crack through that, you know, and maybe through some of this, professors will give give students some ideas on, hey, I need to do more of this, like we talked here, ask more questions, give each other feedback, work in groups to communicate what we're learning, find where you fit in this teaching-learning journey. It's a journey, man. You're absolutely right. It's a journey. Where do I fit? And where do I go next? And how can I be my own person, but at the same time be interdependent and gain from the strengths of others so we have synergistic. You know what synergy means? The whole is greater than the sum of its parts, and the more diversity you have in those parts... The greater the synergy
1: I have a question are you a, where do you stand with religion or spirituality because I know you 're a scientist at, at by trade and but you're talking a lot about you know synergy and the system and the whole and the bigger picture which and caring is, and caring, which is more religion, spirituality realm kind of thinking and mentality like where do you, where do you and also kind of where do some of your peers maybe like stand on these subjects of beyond science? Well,
0: first, scientists try to keep that separate, you know. They, they do try to, They try to keep that separate. Um, but um, when I speak in front of a group, I do keynote speeches, people, that, I talk about actively caring, mm. they naturally think, he must be a Christian. Mm. You know, I've had people, and I, I've talked about my cancer, people come up and they, they pray with me, thinking that, actively caring is Christianity. But I maintain it's much more than that. It's whatever religion, what religion cannot cannot look toward caring for other people if there is such a religion. Though, so I, I am spiritual. I, I do believe in divine intervention. I believe that I've been brought, that the stuff have lined up in my life to bring me to this point where I can talk about what I think the message the world needs to know, AC4P, actively caring for people. So I, 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 be, I do believe that something brought me to this point. It wasn't just chance. I mean, that something brought me here and maybe brought you here. I mean, there's, there's some power that's beyond us. I don't understand it, and I, and I try to stay within the, the scientific method. But even even an atheist... Atheists believe that we want to make the world a better place before they're gone. So whatever whatever our religion or whatever, the idea of, of interdependency, of looking out for others, it fits everything, man. It fits everything. Making the world a better place, improving human welfare, it fits everywhere. So that's the answer thank to your you, question. You but but I do, I, I the older I get, let me put it this way, I hope... There's another place, but I'm not optimistic. The difference between optimism and hope is relevant here. Optimists are wishful thinking, and I love optimists, and sometimes I'm optimistic. Hope means I hope it happens, and I'm doing everything I know to do, perhaps, that I to make that happen. You're being practical. Being practical, but I might not be optimistic about it. I might not really believe it's gonna happen, but I hope it happens. Yeah. And I appreciate you guys. you know, I, I think you're doing a great thing. you've 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 started something. You've started something that's 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 big, man. It's big. It's innovative it's it brings people out of their shell to talk even an introvert like me and it's it spreads a message and who knows where it can go next and and i, I wish you the best of success to make this happen man and if i can do another one someday you know let's do this um, it's it's been we've been talking for i believe it's that hour and 10 minutes man <laughs>
1: Something like that. Yeah.
0: yeah, it went fast. No one's gonna listen that long to this. <laughs> Who's gonna sit and listen people to us will. for an hour? Plus,
1: people will, people will. But yeah, that I mean, this whole thing started because like, first Vinny had the idea, but first off, we all really love just con- convers like con- conversation in general, and just sometimes we spend like three to four hours just having a conversation, and time time flies. And I-, I can't, I can speak. I mean, I-, I can only speak for myself, but I'm personally more introverted myself too. And I found that through my through being an introvert, I've been trying to find ways to express myself yeah. in my own time yeah. and sharing that with the world, yeah. kind of extrovertedly. You know what I'm saying? Like it's kind of that balance. Yeah, and,
0: and Vinny has this this need to help. You do. You have this need to connect to people, man. That that's big. That's big. Now, how can you feed that? And by the way, before we leave, I want to give you guys a gift. Oh, cool. This is my latest scholarship, right here. This is my latest attempt to do what I want to do.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I remember you mentioned this in class.
0: Oh, yeah. I want... It's 50 life lessons. 50 lessons. And you... Sam, you look for this. You're going to see Introductory psychology. Those are the pictures. I've showed you these pictures all over in class. And, and you, you... This is the picture... And you ask questions about the picture. This one, interesting enough, is on systems thinking, what we just talked about. And the way it works is you flip the page over, and this is the research foundation of this of this lesson.
2: So it forces you to think about it before you there get anyone just, else's. There
0: effect. you go, man. You look at this wow, picture. What does this mean? Fantastic. In, in fact, I wanted this to be a conversation piece for families uh, on your coffee table. and awesome. I want you to share this with your family. So you'll open up. Oh, look at this one. This was on perception. Did, did love, remember this one, class? Don't you love this picture? She's she's trying to warn him of a pig. He, because of his premature, his prejudice, road hog, the only one who gets it is a dog. So, But the point is you ask, what does this mean to you? And then if there's a, if there's a group facilitator... They would read this first to find out what is, here's that word, premature cognitive commitment. Um, how about this? Can you understand that? They're running, but they're not chasing anything because the dogs see it from their perspective. So this is kind of teaching empathy. But the, my point is, I want the world to know basic psychology, basic applied psychology. How about this? This is discrimination is good, stereotyping is bad. And so, what does that mean? So, let's, what is this? We're
1: talking about, Vinny and I were talking about. It. So, it's like, we're talking about how it's okay, like, to not be f- best friends with everybody, but it, it's not okay to, to, to cast your own hate onto other people you because you're different. Because you're different. There yeah. you
0: go. In fact, you should love them because they're different, man. And you should learn how to, how to understand them and deal with them. Take the time to do that. So, this relates to this the power of conversation. What do you mean? I'm disconnected and out of touch. I have email, smartphone, text messages, Facebook. Yeah, she's still out of touch, man. And that's that's our society right now. This kind of. But listen, I, you can have this, you, and you awesome. can Thank you, you can have one of these, and let me know what you think, and maybe someday we'll come back and we'll we'll talk about Absolutely. those life lessons, man.
1: Well, I feel like. That wraps it up for the Teacher Talk podcast. Thank you, Dr. Go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: So yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, any yeah. last
1: minute uh, plugs you want to do? I know you have a TED Talk out on YouTube. Any books you want to let the people know? This, about? this
0: book, by the way, is available at a at website. It's only $25. It's, it's at go to ac4p.org. AC for you can by the way we have a theme song like go I'm gonna give you I'm gonna there's a theme and song the oh, cool that's that's that is an original song created created in in uh, Nashville and it's just for the actively caring for people movement Thank you. and you play that and so but you go to the website you can get all of this stuff you get wristbands there's all my books are listed up there so but this is the one that you know I want people to to, you connect, to, I think it connect. On I think it can yeah. connect to because it's and it's.
1: And it, it, I feel like it's, it's a it's a good transition to talk about kind of personal and kind of deep subjects with people that may not be comfortable with with you know. an easier uh, like introduction. It's to the it.
0: conversation we were talking about. Right. This is the conversation player. Just open us up and you talk. <laughs> there's there's one on on <laughs> counter control, <laughs> yeah. man. So and you you have a conversation about it. Now the book. My best one is coming out. It's in press right now. It's called Actively Caring for Your Child. How to Be a Better Parent. It's for parents worldwide. But they mean nothing if it doesn't get out to people. This work will be nothing if, it doesn't, if people don't read it, if people don't talk about it. So maybe this podcast and others will, will help people become aware of the website, activelycaringforpeople.org. You know that my TED Talk is on there too. Guess how many views now? Millions, I, right? Seven million. Jeez. Over seven million. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. As, a, as a teacher, <laughs> as a teacher, that that is the biggest reinforcer I can have. The fact that seven million plus people, over a period of five years, have watched this fifteen minute talk on self motivation. Yeah.
1: I think I think purpose. people I think people are really hungry for information and knowledge and just motivation in general like
0: and 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 research based knowledge not just someone's opinion you know w- without without data you're a jerk with an opinion and there's too many opinions around here so I think people are hungry for research and in my TED talk I reference where the stuff comes from. I don't a lot of those TED talks. You notice they're just somebody's idea. Like that's fine, kind of anecdotal. That's fine, but I think people are hungry to know what is the right knowledge, what is based on data, what is research based, and that's what this is. This is all research. And to be able
2: to get that, you need validation, like at least exactly. Well, and that's
0: what that's research is validation. The scientific method is validating okay. that makes sense. beyond personal biases or common sense is bias it's everybody's common sense so in the classroom you guys are going beyond common sense and you're learning what does the science say about this and you're coming into a classroom with your own common sense your own bias but the science might tell you differently
1: but you have to find the balance right between kind of subjectivity and objectivity like
0: I think the science and the objectivity will feed your common sense. your subjectivity will change as a function of what you learn. Your parents probably told you you're not the same person after you've been in college for a year you will be this you have changed and what's happening is your common sense, your subjectivity you becoming you're becoming learned and so yeah I think science, and knowledge feeds your subjectivity, so it makes you a better judge, a, a better person with regard to using your common sense to wor- make the world a better place.
1: Awesome. That's a great place to end. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Oh, man.
0: Thank you, guys.
1: Awesome.
0: All right. Hey. We're done. Hey. I'm going to go pick up my dog. Go back that was awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. You went good. It went fast, huh? What? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs>